Welcome to the Living Godcast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. It says, I speak into this city, and I speak an end to darkness, says the Lord. And I speak a mobilization of my people. I say you are empowered. I say you have all that you need, and I will back you. As you advance, I will advance behind you, says the Lord. I will push the limits of my kingdom into dark territory. I will push back against all that the enemy has claimed, because the earth is mine, says the Lord, and the fullness thereof. Advance, church. Stand up. Put on your armor. And advance, says the Lord. Hallelujah. If you got your Bibles today, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. If you've been in church very long, in particular Pentecostal church or this church, you probably won't hear a new passage today. Amen? Uh, but don't tune it out because I believe God's got something new to say. Right? And I believe that because when I was studying it, He showed me something new. And doesn't He do that all the time when you get into His Word? He meets you right where you are, and He shows you something you didn't know before. Amen? So we're going to read the passage, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6, then we'll set up what we're talking about and dive right in. Are you ready this morning? Whoa, 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 I didn't hear anything. Are you ready this morning? All right, sweet. Okay, make sure we didn't have to resurrect anybody. All right. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons, in parentheses, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or physical, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Verse 5 says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Verse 6, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. This morning I want to talk to you about stronghold destroyers. Stronghold destroyers. There's going to be a little bit of uh, feedback required for this message because this is going to challenge us. It's going to require action once we walk out of here. But are you ready to receive it? All right, let's bless the Word. Father, we thank you again for your presence. We ask you, Lord, to be in this word. God, to bring it with power and anointing just like you did in the 9 a.m. Lord, to accomplish exactly what you would have it accomplished. Do not let it return void. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to speak out into the air today of our city, of our families. If you could look out into the spirit realm and see Winchester in the spirit, if you could see the topography and the landscape of Winchester, you would see beacons of light all throughout this city. We have a lot of churches that preach the gospel. But you would see dark, ominous, massive, imposing structures all over this area. You would see it, and from these structures would be coming lines and, and demons and things that are connecting to people. That's what's going on on the other side of the veil, okay? That's what we can't see. We've got angels of light all around us. We've got angels that link together and protect us. 
But there's a lot of folks out there that don't have that. There's a lot of folks out there who instead are being dominated by darkness. We would use the biblical term stronghold. That's not really a word that we use often in in modern conversation. And when you say the word stronghold, everybody's going to get a different picture. You might picture a castle or a fort, something medieval, something modern. I kind of picture Fort Knox. Has anybody ever seen Fort Knox? Have you seen that really old James Bond movie from the 60s that was filmed at Fort Knox? Have you seen that? Fort Knox is the gold repository for the U.S., and it's this incredible, secure, imposing structure. I was reading some things on the Internet about it because it must be true if it's on the Internet. And uh, I was reading that it was built with more than 4,200 cubic yards of concrete. That's, you can't really wrap your head around that. 16,000 cubic feet of granite. 750 tons of reinforced steel and 670 tons of structural steel. The roof is bomb-proof, and the door to the vault cannot be breached by explosives, blowtorches, or drills. It's 21 inches thick and weighs more than 20 tons. The door weighs 20 tons. Why does that matter? Because I want to get in your head a massive, immovable, imposing image. I want you to picture a door that weighs 20 tons. You can't wrap your head around that, can you? I want you to picture walls that have never been breached, a roof that is bomb-proof. It's all over this city in the Spirit. It's all over this region in the Spirit. It's these strongholds that over time, eons and ages of time, the devil has built up as he has amassed influence over people. He's built up, and he's built up, and he's fortified. And there's all these little beacons of light all throughout the city. The question is, are we going to shine toward the structures? Are we going to tackle the strongholds? Are we going to let them dominate the spiritual landscape of Winchester? Are we going to let addiction reign in this city? Are we going to let abuse dictate people's lives? Are we going to let it? This verse tells us, in verse 3, that we walk in the flesh, but we do not war after the flesh. We cannot tackle the spiritual strongholds in our community with weapons, with guns or knives or anything like swords. We can't do that. We can't tackle them with man's ideas or programming. We cannot undo the impact and effect of our enemy in man's ways. We can't do it. That's my first point today. You can't fight a spiritual battle with physical means. We try, don't we? We try with good programming, with good social things. We try with making good decisions. I think one thing that's happened a lot in the American church, not so much our church necessarily, but in the American church, we've we've swung to the extreme end of practical, and we've neglected the spiritual. Right? We're all about making good decisions, building good habits, creating a lifestyle that God can bless. And all of that is important. Surrounding yourself with the right people is absolutely important. Proverbs tells us that bad character or bad company corrupts good character. That's biblical. It's biblical that God will bless certain things and not bless other things. That's biblical. But we've also got an adversary. We've also got an enemy who doesn't care how old you are. He doesn't care what you've come from. If he can get in and get you, he doesn't care if you're 2, 20, or or, or 82. He doesn't care. He's going to get in, and he's going to run amok. 
as best he can. Or the people of God stand up in unity, in authority that we've been given, using the weapons and methods of our God, and we begin to tear it down. This is our opportunity. What are we going to do? Are we just going to have good church, or are we going to make a difference? We're Pentecostal. We love the chills. We love when people fall on the floor speaking tongues. We love it. But are we making a difference? This is the question. This is the opportunity. Are we going to be stronghold destroyers or stronghold deniers? Are we going to allow them to continue to dominate our children, our schools? What are we going to do? Because when we look at it in man's terms, we don't have an answer. Do you have an answer? We don't have an answer for what the enemy's doing in our community. But God is the answer. He doesn't just have the answer. He is the answer. He has all the authority, all the power, all the light, all the everything that we need. He has it. And you and I have access to it. You and I have access. The problem is that most believers are also being dominated by those things. Is that fair? Has anybody ever been, for a time of your life, dominated by a dark power? Something that that was not from God, let's say? It doesn't have to be a full-on demon. It could be a habit. It could be all these things that have dominated our life and put us down a wrong path. We've all been there. But we've also come into freedom, haven't we? We've come into a new knowledge, a new understanding that our God is bigger. He is more. He is able and He is willing. Are we going to be stronghold deniers or stronghold destroyers? We walk in the flesh, but we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not physical, but they are mighty through God. Can I I present this idea to you? The weapons that God has given us were made for this battle. And in fact, the Greek word for weapons is not limited to utensils and tools that you use offensively. It's also including armor. Armor. Do you remember from your VBS days when they talked about the armor of God? Do you remember the felt board with the guy and they put the things on him? The helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith wherewith we can quench the fiery darts of the enemy. We're not meant to quench fiery darts by being defensive. We're not meant to be holed up and hunkered down just taking shots as the devil shoots them over the wall. Right? We're on the battlefield. We're advancing. We're moving toward his establishment. And we're looking to tear it down. And while he shoots on the way, our faith takes the hit. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We have tools and weapons and methods that God made for this enemy. He didn't give us something we've got to trump up and excite and hype up. Too many Pentecostal folks spend their time trying to get chills. I want to be effective. I want to make a difference in my family and in other people's families. I don't want them to know bondage. And I want the ones that do to know freedom. Amen. I can get my chills later. Let's move. Are we going to be stronghold destroyers? This is our opportunity today. They're mighty through God. Mighty through God. They are empowered to fight this enemy. We have enough word in this house, in your life, to fight addiction and abuse and bondage. We have enough. We have everything that we need. We've got the Holy Spirit of God in us. We've got the fruit of the Spirit. We've got gifts of the Spirit. 
We have so much in our arsenal. And strongholds have been allowed to dominate for too long. I speak out into the air of this city. And I say that they're coming down in Jesus' name. They're coming down in Jesus' name. The time's over. The season is coming to an end. Their end is the lake of fire anyway. Why should we allow them to thrive until they get there? Why can't we take them by force? Why can't we assault the ones that are assaulting our children? Why can't we take on the gates of hell and prevail against them? As pastor says, armies attack gates. Gates don't attack armies. We've got to be on the, defen- on the offensive. We've got to move toward what God is calling. And God is calling us to, take, to stand up and to take the fight to the enemy. To be stronghold destroyers. We know they're there. You know where they are in your family. You know where they are in your kids. You know where they are at work. And you can fight them. But you can't fight them like people fight things. You've got to use God's weapons. You've got to stand in His armor. He said when you've got the armor on, in Ephesians 6, He said when you've done everything, you're going to stand. The armor of God is there to stand you up and make you immovable against a seemingly immovable adversary. We've been called to be stronghold destroyers. The weapons were made for this fight. They were made for this fight. That devil that's run amok in your family, God's given you what you need to defeat him. Right? The one that's got your kids, he's given you what you need. The one that has pulled you back over and over again because we have cycles in life, don't we? Sometimes we're in a spiritual high. Sometimes we we live in victory for a while, and then we fall. We fall back into a mess. And then God's so good, he reaches down into that mess, and he picks us back up. We don't have to cycle anymore. Amen. We don't have to live our life up and down all over the, the spectrum of holiness. We can be holy as he is holy. We can have the mind in us that was in Christ. We can put on Christ, the Bible says. And we can move forward toward those things that are trying to steal, kill, and destroy this community and your family. we got to move. We've got to be stronghold destroyers. The weapons of our warfare are not physical, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I want to show you this definition in the, in the Greek for pulling down. Pulling down means demolition. Demolition. I told this story in the in the first the first service, but when when I was a teenager, my dad bought a house to flip, and so me and a friend of mine got to do demolition. Hey, there he is. We got to do demolition. You remember that? That's right. We were on the other side of the room. We'd take a hammer, we just chuck it at the wall across the room, then we turn it, we would rip it out, and just pull all the stuff out. Demolition's fun. Demolition's fun. And as believers, we are so overwhelmed and under-equipped by our enemy. Not only are we not impacting him, but we're also beat down and, and, and not having fun with it. Could you imagine being so effective that you had joy in your effectiveness? Oh, could it be the plan of God? Why? The joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen? I need strength to fight an enemy, therefore I need joy in my life. I can have joy in doing what God has called me to do, demolishing the strongholds of the enemy, bringing demolition upon the enemy's plans. 
there's another definition for pulling down as well. Figuratively, it means extinction. Extinction. Okay, this changes the game. Because when you demolish something, it can be built back. Right? But when you make something go extinct, it never comes back. Do you understand what we're saying? It is possible. God has so empowered you and I. He has so gifted you and I. He's put so much fruit in you and I's life that we can bring an extinction-level event to the strongholds of the enemy in Winchester. We can demolish them so utterly, so completely, that they never come back in our lifetime. It's possible. It's possible for addiction to end with you. It's possible for abuse to end with you. How do I know that? Because alcoholism ended with him and my family. Right? It ran amok in my family, but it ended with him. I don't have a desire for it. I've never been drunk. None of it. I don't have that. It ended with him. Because a decision was made and a fight was brought. And not only did he change that for me, but he took down the stronghold in our family. Because he recovered my grandpa, who was an alcoholic. Right? Right? This is what we're talking about. I'm not telling you a story in a book that we've not experienced. I'm telling you the reality of the kingdom of God, that when the kingdom of God and its people move on the enemy, that the strongholds that the enemy has built come down because the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down. They're mighty. They were made to take on these walls. In the physical, if you go after a wall with a sword, you're not going to do a lot. Or if you do, it's going to take a while. But the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, is sharper than any two-edged sword, the Bible says. Dividing asunder soul and spirit. It's powerful. It can take on those walls. It can take on those walls. It's not worried about those walls. It can cut through. Amen? But, but are we going to deny or are we going to destroy? What is our opportunity? Oh, it's going to be battle. It's going to be warfare. When is it not? I'm sorry, but is anybody having a Christian experience where the devil doesn't fight you? Anybody? Raise your hand. I'd like to shake it after service. He's fighting anyway. He's fighting anyway. Why should we sit back and take blow after blow and never return the favor? Why should we just quench darts instead of slashing into what he has? We've got a word that's sharper than anything he's got. He's got no answer for the word of God. Every time he came against the word, the word shut him down in the Bible. Amen? We've got that in us. You know enough. You've been taught enough. He's taught it. I've taught it. Mike's taught it. We know enough. We can break down every stronghold of the enemy. My son just burped in the middle of my sermon. It rained on my, on my moment. There we go. They're mighty through God to the pulling down. Of strongholds, extinction. Oh God, let us bring extinction on our enemy. Oh, it's got to end. Oh, it's going to end in the kingdom. Don't worry about that when the kingdom comes. But do we have to wait for the kingdom to come? I don't believe we do. I believe God is stirring up in us a, a right, an authority, a power that we've already had, that we've walked in for seasons in times past, but we're called to live in it now. 
We're called to live in it now. This is the opportunity. Verse 5 says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. When we go at the enemy, the enemy throws these three things at us, imaginations, high things, and thoughts. Now, you would think that imaginations and thoughts are the same thing, and they're not. They're not. Imagination in the Greek that it was originally written in means computation or reasoning. Reasoning. Oh, how many times have you reasoned yourself out of a miracle? How many times have you reasoned yourself? But God, it's, it's terminal. That's what they said. It's a fact. God, it's terminal. And I, I mean no guilt on anybody who has been in that situation. I could not imagine what to do in that situation. But I hope and pray that in that moment, God forbid, should it ever come, that something rises up in me. It says, I don't care what the reason is. I know a God who supersedes all reason. Amen. I know a God who is bigger. He can rewrite anything. He can fix anything. Does he always? No. Sometimes the miracle is heaven. But sometimes he steps into earth. And earth bends and changes when he steps in. Amen. We've seen it. Have you seen it? We know it can happen. We know it's possible. But for fear, we let reasoning take over. Because we're afraid that God won't do it. But he says, casting down imaginations, casting down reasoning. we got to cast it down. What does that mean? When the reason comes at you, throw it down under the Word of God. Elevate the Word of God over the reason. And see what God will do. And whatever the outcome, God will give you peace. And you'll know that he was in it. Casting down imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. The plan of the enemy is to warp your perception of what you know about God. But God, we have this massive drug problem. But God, there's 12-step programs for this. How can you do this? But God, there's all these reasons. My grandpa did it. My dad did it. God, there's all these reasons. The enemy wants to warp your perception. It's all about attacking the knowledge of God that you have. What knowledge of God do you have? Can we take inventory for a second? What do you know about him? I know he's good. I know he's a father. I know he's a healer. I know he is powerful. I've seen at his name, I've seen demons leave. I've seen bodies healed. I know that he can. I know that he will. What do I know about him? I know he's righteous. I know he's faithful. I know he's kind when he ought not be. Amen. I know he is merciful and gracious. I know that his grace is the most abundant thing in existence. Because where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. This is what I know about him. It's not always what I feel about him. Amen? It's not always what we see about him. Or what our senses tell us about him, it's what we know. If the enemy can raise up something that warps your knowledge of God, then he can shut your mouth. 
he can stop that word from flowing out of you. And if the word stops, your sword goes down. And how are you going to chip away a wall without something sharp? How are you going to break down the bondages of the enemy without the truth of the word of God? How? If he can warp your reasoning, he will shut your mouth. And then he wins. Oh, how, how many times, church, have we sat silent, overwhelmed, reasoned away, not proclaiming the word of God? I'll tell you what, straight up for me, nobody else, I've done it too much. Too much. But God is calling us today. God is challenging us that when the enemy throws reasoning, when the enemy throws up high things at us, you know what a high thing is? It's literally a, a tall barrier. The devil wants to box you in and drown you in reason. Have you ever had those times where you're praying, and man, everything you pray, God does? You had that? God does it. Conversely, have you ever had those times where you're praying, and it's hitting the wall and coming back at you? It hits the ceiling. You feel it. You hear the thud when it drops back down. What? But God, I pray... You know he's not hearing. Why? Because the enemy's got you boxed in with high things. The enemy has erected walls around you to try to box in your prayer, to try to reason you out of attack. That's what he's doing. Listen, God is revealing to us today the way that the enemy works. Okay? There's truth happening right now that could enable us to be free and to free others. we got to let it challenge us. We've got to let it push back against what makes us comfortable. And we've got to say, oh, my God, God, I know, I realize now, he was boxing me in. But I've got knowledge of God that's stronger than his barriers. Amen. I've got truth of the word of God that can destroy and dismantle anything that he puts up around me. And we can safely say that when the enemy starts erecting high things around us, we've, we've begun to breach the walls. We've begun to hit the walls. See, here's the truth. Every stronghold throughout human history that's been built all over the world has been built by mighty warriors, powerful men, powerful people. And what do they do? They conquer, they raise armies, they conquer, they amass wealth and territory, and they build themselves an imposing place. And what do they do? They live in it. Jesus said, and I should have put this in my notes, Jesus said, that it is impossible to spoil a strong man unless you first bound him. How am I going to bind a strong spirit if I don't breach the walls? How am I going to get close enough to, to tie him up if I'm standing back here just taking darts, just holding on to my faith, just hoping by the grace of God I'll survive this onslaught? What if I stood up? What if I put on my armor? What if I got my shield, but I got my sword? And what if I went toward the stronghold of the enemy? And I start hacking away with the truth of the word of God. I cut through the reason. I cut through those high things that he's throwing up, and I start to breach the walls. What happens when I breach the walls? I get to the other side, and on the other side is my enemy. And there I can bind him in Jesus' name. Because whatsoever we bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever we loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I can look at a spirit of addiction. I can call it what it is and I can bind it. 
And you can call it what it is and you can bind it. You can look at a spirit of adultery, whatever. Whatever runs in your family, whatever's in your house. Call it what it is. Breach the walls. Bind him up and spoil his house. If he's got your kids, get them back. If he's got your family, get them back. Well, I need pastor. I need the deliverance team. Maybe sometimes. But a lot of the time, you need the word of God. You need the truth in your hand and your faith to block the blows. You cut through that wall. You take on the strong man. Jesus said, all power has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. That word power is the Greek word exousia. It means authority. All authority is his. Then in another verse, he talks to the disciples and he says, Behold, I give unto you power. Same word, exousia. To, to, to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing, he says, shall by any means hurt you. See, here's the deal. If we're attacking an enemy that he has ordained us to attack, we're going to be just fine. The problem is, is that we get afraid because the devil's all big and bad and strong, and he's really not. But man, he's good at putting on a show. He knows how to make you think he's a lion. He's a roaming lion, roaming over the whole earth looking for somebody to devour. <laughs> That's right, not a lion, he's a lion. Right. But we have a lion too. The lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of the living God. He is in my heart, and He has empowered me. He is in your heart. He has empowered you. You've got weapons that are mighty through Him, through the pulling down of strongholds. You can take on any spirit. You can take on any adversary that He calls you to. And you can win. What are we going to do? Are we going to be deniers or destroyers? Last thing, verse 6, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. The word revenge there means exactly what you think, vindicate or retaliate. But here's the key, revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. If we will weaponize our obedience... And pair that obedience with the Word of God. In other words, when we say, okay, God, you want me to attack that? I will attack that with the Word. We do that, we're guaranteed victory. Ready to retaliate all disobedience, revenge all disobedience with my obedience. It doesn't matter that they have been bound and have disobeyed. It doesn't matter that the devil has them. What matters is that we obey. When God calls us to the fight, that we obey. Remember the story of David. I preached on this a couple months ago, but remember the story of David. He was living in a city in, in Ziklag, and he had his family there, and his men had their families there. And while they were away at war, doing what God had put in them to do, an enemy came in and took them and burned their city and took all their possessions and their family. And what did David do? Do you remember? What did he do? It says, David inquired of the Lord. He got the prayer shawl and he put it over his head and he went over into the corner of his burned out house and he inquired of the Lord. 
The enemy had robbed him and taken from him. And on top of that, his men who were with him were ready to kill him because they blamed him for being away so they couldn't protect their family. And he didn't go to God and whine and cry say, God, they're ready to kill me. He didn't do that. What did he say? He said, Lord, shall I pursue? Shall I overtake? And shall I overcome? Something in David stood up and said, I've got to go get them. Oh, I hope you have that in you today. Something in us has to stand up and say, we've got to go get them. And it doesn't mean we've got to go stand on the corner with a bullhorn. It means we go to them every time that we see them with love. But before we go to them with love, we cover them in prayer. We bombard the darkness with the light. We shine the Word of God. We speak that Word powerfully, precisely against the very thing that's keeping them. And then when we encounter them, we love them into the family. We love them out of darkness and into light. The world thinks that love is all you need. Guess what? Human love... It's limited. My love only goes so far. There's a line you can cross when I will stop loving you. His love, we've already said it two or three times today. God so loved the world that he gave. He so loved it. He loved it in all its dysfunction, all its mess. He didn't love the church, it says. It says he loved the world. And from that messed up dysfunctional world, he brought a church out. And he's brought you out, hasn't he? He's brought me out. He's brought us out of so much. Do we not believe that he is still able to bring them out? Is he not the only one in existence who can break down those walls, who can through us bring an extinction-level event on the spiritual climate in Winchester? Oh, he's the one, church, and he is on our side. And, man, if God is for us, who can be against us? He is on our side. He is for you. He is for your family. He loves your kids more than you do. He loves your coworkers more than you do. And he wants you to destroy some stuff that don't belong. Stay with me this morning. Thank you for listening today to the Living Godcast. We trust and pray that you are blessed by today's word. If you would like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at WinCityCOLG or give us a call at 859-745-1865.